Greetings, welcome, hey y'all. And to my peeps, Sac Passe, I'm her D. Mercier, your chief grief crusader, and I am excited to be on the grief mic today. Now listen, it just gets better and better and better, better and better and better, better and better and better. I'm just so grateful for the opportunity to really help people heal, to really help people redefine grief, to really help individuals understand grief. And now, if this is your very first time listening to the podcast, you are now officially a grief crusader. And what does that mean? That means you need to go to my website at www.herdeanmercier.com and receive your free gift under resources talking about grief and 61 ways grief may be affecting your life. You want those tips because you got to know the wisdom to be a grief crusader. And what it's saying is we're all on this journey together of healing from heartbreak but not allowing that grief to take away our purpose. For this life isn't perfect, but the requirement of living it is. I will forever, forever say that to the day that I die. And so I'm super stoked about today's episode because I strongly believe that there, this is going to bless so many people. Um, not just women, but men, um, those who are listening, please don't be stingy, y'all. Share this with a friend because you never know what people are going through. And now don't forget to rate and subscribe the podcast and um, rate, subscribe and leave a review, I should say, the podcast, because that's how you help build the community. This is our community of grievers. And what I want to say is, before I do the introduction of my girl coming on the mic, that we have to really find community. And I can't say this enough. You can't heal your broken heart by yourself. I mean, I really, I really need grief crusaders out there. Join the Grief Crusaders Facebook group. Join it. It's free that people understand our anchors when we talk about the truth anchor, the heart anchor, the connection anchor, the faith anchor, and the restoration anchor. Because that's where I want all of us to get And it's a gradual process, but if you do it and trust it and willing to be broken emotionally so that you can be put back together and get to a place of restoration, you want to be in the Grief Crusaders um, Facebook group. I will see you there. It's building. I'm behind the scenes thinking of ways to make it better because at the end of the day, our heartbreak is coming. Our heartbreak probably already happened because you cannot, you cannot avoid it. And so why not get prepared for it by educating yourself? And we're doing that in the community. Now, I'm super excited about this episode because I've learned so much in just talking to this sister. Her name is Faith and baby, she's matching her name. Faith is a certified counselor author, speaker, and chief executive officer of Live Again Counseling Services. I love it. Live Again Counseling Services was created to assist people in processing grief, 
pain, trauma, relationship challenges, and disappointment. Faith is experienced and trained to help people overcome adverse life changing events. She was born and raised in South Florida. I was too, where she currently resides with her family. Faith is a graduate of Nova Southeastern University with a certification from the North American Association of Counselors and Columbia University Center for Complicated Grief. Mm -hmm. She's my girl. She's in the grief world of doing this work because I I tell you all all the time I can't do it by myself. Okay, although we will have ups and downs throughout the course of life. Having a counselor to walk you through the most difficult times in your life make a transitional difference. It does. Allow faith to counsel you in this thing called life. One of my first, she said life is one of my first business coach. You heard her this month. Tanya says living in faith and focus every day. That's what faith is going to do for you in that life. She takes pleasure in navigating people through the dark tunnels of relationship issues, grief, trauma, self-improvement into a bright avenue of hope. Faith's heart's desire is to see people become completely whole while living out their purpose, destiny. Hmm. To be whole, to be restored. That's her life calling. And that's why we connected. You'll hear how we found each other in this episode. Without further ado, Faith Dinkins. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome to the Redefining Grief Podcast, Faith Dickens. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. (laughs) I am so honored. And you know, this is going to be a lifetime connection, me and you, because I really do believe that oftentimes we meet people. I've never met you in my life. I've never touched you. I've never seen you. I've never smelt you. I've never done any of those things. But there was a divine connection on Instagram. And I saw, I see you doing your thing in the grief world. And I'm like, oh, I like her. I like her. <laughs> How can we collaborate? And I was trying to honor you in this space of motherhood. I'm doing a series this month where we're looking at moms who have taken the heartbreaking situations in their life, redefined it, and connected it to purposeful living. And so the very first question that I can ask you, Faith, is what is your truth? Basically, my truth is I understand now more than ever, um, very clear on why God placed me in the earth. And so like many of us, um, we've all gone through pain and heartbreak, but he placed me in the earth to use me as a vessel, not only to bring people back to him, but to help to restore and to bring healing, restoration. Mm -hmm. And so my truth is, I found God to be uh, a healer to the broken heart, yes, but also somebody that wants to take what you've experienced from brokenheartedness and turn it around. Like today, I just, like you said earlier, I was looking at myself and I was like, wow, I'm not even really marrying any makeup today. Okay, Father, I see you. 
-hmm. And so I began to see the hand of God on my life. And it comes with a glow, mm -hmm. right? That the best makeup and skincare in the world can't do. Because God knows I need some skincare done even right about now. <laughs> <laughs> but my truth is, Radine, mm -hmm. it is that I found him to be a healer. And not from a standpoint of over-spiritualizing. This is something that I lived. I lived the pain. I lived the heartache. And so I found out that you can truly live again after experiencing all of that. Because guess what? Through the, throughout the course of life, we're going to have pains and ups and downs until we leave here. Mm. So true. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, I often say that this life isn't perfect, but the requirement of living it is. Because mm -hmm. sometimes what I find to be true is that even when I'm working with clients or speaking to someone at the grocery store, I love to talk and chat up with people and, and they'll talk about it, but they're stuck in that pain. They're stuck in the sorrow of that heartache. Um, and they got, they're so stuck that it's, it's normal to them. They don't know what joy and, and peace like, because I believe you can smile and be happy all at the same time. Sometimes I call it bipolar feelings because you feel like, how could I be laughing at this? Because you realize when you look back, that was a stupid mistake, but I made it through. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, and then mm -hmm. you can you cry at God's grace. Mm hmm. Like, mm -hmm. that's a whole nother, at God's, you cry, you laugh at God's grace, you cry at yourself for being so silly, and then you take the necessary steps of whatever you have to take. And just to those who are listening and aren't aware, I've created five anchors that I believe that helps get you from grief to purpose. The very first one is telling the truth about your pain. The second one is talking about heartache. What has broke your heart? Have you really told the truth about it? Have you talked to God about it? The third one, did you find community? That's the connection anchor. The fourth one is saying faith. Mm. You know what? That's the thing that's not tangible. You can't touch it. But the first thing to go out the window when you're brokenhearted. And then the fifth thing is restoration. And restoration is just basically saying, I am going back to the peace that God wants for me. Not the what I went through, but the peace that God wants for me. And so I hear you talk about your truth, Faith. What is your heartache? What is that thing that nobody really knows? Um, and what is your, like, what are those times with God? And I know you're a counselor. I know you're a minister. Just tell me those things that you feel comfortable in sharing. Because, you know, once it goes out, it's out. But how has God gotten you to this place of seeking restoration? I would say that um, I think sometimes with some of the things that I've gone through, I sort of feel like at times like a late bloomer, if you will. Mm -hmm. And um, someone was like, Faith, don't say that. You know, they kind of broke it down. But the reason why I use the term late bloomer is because um, I felt like my life initially has always been on the curve for God to do what he wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And like all of us, we make decisions that don't fall in line with God's purpose. And so he has to reset us. And so my reset, um, you know, at times I'm just like, well, God, how many times is it going to be where I feel like I'm going through another process? You know, last year I went through, I'm sorry, 2018, I went through a major transition 
where I had to make some incredible decisions concerning um, just some associations. And it was real serious. I won't go into detail, mm-hmm. but um, it was hard because I had to walk away from relationships that I had had for years. Mm-hmm. Okay. So then on the cusp of that, God starts to share with me that now, okay, you did that. Now I'm going to have you do this. And the do this was another uh, situation where I had to surrender, trust his will, trust his plan. But then in the middle of me doing all of that, he switched it again. So mm-hmm. I was just like, you keep moving the cheese, sir. Like, what are we doing? Mm-hmm. But I've had to come to a place of being content, like Paul said, whether I'm a based or a bound and understand that the getting there is not a physical location. The getting there is when you totally surrender to God, d- despite what things look like around you and you're grounded. And what I mean by grounded is I'm not talking about, because um, I want to be real clear. I'm a minister first, right? I want to be real clear. And I'm not on here misleading anybody from what I believe in. When I say grounded, I mean, get married or not, um, business blows up or not, you on platforms or not, the ministry blows up. Who did God call you to be? And -hmm. before he called you to be that, it was independent of all the other things that it could become, independent of what? Independent of of your name blowing up in lights, independent of you having this great, wonderful marriage. can I go? Because I was going to share. Mm-hmm. Yes, I don't yes. want to go ahead. Okay. So when I was supposed to be married years ago and it didn't happen because um, the young man passed away. Right. So this happened in 2001. We're in 2020. I've not got married yet. Mm. Um, it has not happened. Now I had to let it go, not let it go from the standpoint of, I don't want to get married and I give up on marriage and I'm mad with God, but let it go in terms of holding it as an idol. Because I would look around and I would see people and I'd be like, I know they got stuff going on. How you let them get married? Well, how you, I, I did this whole comparison thing. Mm. And it became, I had to come to the place where I came to, if I never get married, God, your plan and your will and your purpose for my life is what I want to focus on. And that wasn't a one day type of situation because when we want what we want, we want what we want. I'm very um, driven and I'm very, um, once I make a decision about something, it's going to happen. So I think when you talk about the heartbreak, it has been God having to break me. Though he is using my strong will and my personality for the call, I had to become pliable to his timing and what he wants and how he wants to do it. Let me tell you, I'm going back faith and I'm going to have you go back to you're planning this wedding. Give us that you're planning this wedding. You're excited about this wedding. How long before your fiance died? Can we have his name? I like to honor people in their name. Sure. Ronnie, uh, Ronnie, how long mm-hmm. before Ronnie dies and you walk down that whole dream shattering for you because of his death? So we were planning to get married. We had dated a while, but like I said, I'm strong will. And I just was like, you know what, until I get certain um, degrees and things like that, I'm not being nobody's wife. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause what I'm not going to do is mess around and marry you. And then I'm just barefoot and pregnant. That's what we're not going to do. Mm-hmm. So, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't get married right away, but when we decided to get married, we had some things that we had gone through and um, I just made a decision, you know, I love this man, this is it. And so um, 
here I am planning this wedding. But let me just say this. As I'm planning the wedding, literally, I would not lie to you. I felt so sad for months. For months. I didn't know if I was going crazy, if I was losing my mind. I would just cry uncontrollably. Then I started having dreams of loved ones in caskets. And, and then my mom was like, well, pray for this person. But it wasn't those people. He was preparing me for death, literally. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know it because I didn't know anything about that. Way, you're talking about 2001. Mm-hmm. So I'm way more seasoned and mature now in terms of my understanding and my relationship with God. Mm-hmm. But so... Um, here I am in the midst of planning this wedding. As a matter of fact, um, I'm scheduling it out. I'm doing all this stuff with my girls. We had this engagement party luau in my parents' backyard. Like I'm doing the whole bit, right? And um, he has a moment where he doesn't feel well. And he had had some stuff, some some health stuff, but it was enough that major, mm-hmm. right? That staying on top of it wasn't going to, you know, we're going to be fine. I was aware of all of that. And so this one time he went to the hospital, I had called him one night. I'm like, he should be home. And I couldn't. And I think this is before cell phones. Yeah, 2001. People people had cell phones, but it was all that minute plan and stuff. Mm-hmm. So you use them like you use them now. So I never got an answer from him. And so I know he had said that he hadn't felt well. Long long story short, um, no one knew what he was. And finally, I called a relative. And he's like, oh, he at the hospital. The hospital. And I'm upset because I'm engaged to you. You ain't calling me. Mm-hmm. Long story short, um, I, found, I called all the hospitals in the area. So I got to the hospital and I'm on, what is going on? He starts to explain. So I go and I visit him. This is right, this is right after 9-11. So I want to mm-hmm. paint a picture. So mm-hmm. this is right after our country is in grief. Mm. All right. This is right after the anthrax scare. They're saying, mm-hmm. don't go to your mailbox because the next terrorist thing is anthrax mm-hmm. and all of this crazy stuff. So we go, I go to the hospital and I see him. And um, I think it's like a Thursday or a Wednesday. He gets out like on a Saturday and um, I never forget, um, I'm looking at him and I'm like, mm, but I don't want to say what I'm seeing. Mm-hmm. And I want to be optimistic. The day that he was discharged from the hospital, um, my bridal party and I was supposed to go to the bridal salon to have our final fitting because the dresses were in. Mm-hmm. So we were going to get our tailored exact measurements and all of that stuff. Um, for that, and I had to cancel. I'm like, he's in the hospital. We're going to do it next week. Well, next week, I didn't know it was going to be a funeral. Mm. Okay. So, um, once he, uh, passed away and it was very traumatic and I'll go into detail because I think sometimes I'm okay with sharing. Mm -hmm. Um, what happened was he'd gotten discharged from the hospital. He didn't feel well. And I'm like, Oh, you know, you just got out of the hospital. It's probably, you just got to get your strength back. You're going to be fine. Give it about a a few days. And so I went to um, deposit, not deposit, to turn in a prescription to have it filled. And the pharmacist called him about the prescriptions. And there was some type of conflict when looking back, she really was supposed to fill it. She should have called his doctor instead of calling him. Mm. And um, long story short, um, he took a nap or something. My daughter and I were at his house. And I never forget, I told my daughter to go tell him it's time to eat. And she was like, oh, he won't get up. He won't get up. Well, early I had gone into his room. He was on the floor asleep. And I threw his cell cordless phone at him, not cell phone, cordless phone. And I'm like, oh, your uncle's on the phone. Yeah, I'm thinking he's sleeping. He's going to get it. So my daughter said it. I sent her like two times. This is like 30 minutes later. And she's saying he won't get up. So I go in the room and I'm like, hey, and I see the phone. 
and it's not like a dial tone. And it's his uncle. His uncle never hung up. And I'm like, he never came to the phone. He's like, no. So I turned the light on because the light was off in the room. And I'm talking to him and it's nothing. And I'm like, I got to call, you know, 911. So I hang up from the uncle. I call 911. They walk me through. Now, because at the time my daughter was like five, I've gone through CPR and stuff. But depending upon what you're dealing with at the time, that stuff can kind of go and become fuzzy. Mm-hmm. So I turn him over. They're walking me through everything. And we get to the part where they say, okay, now open his mouth. When I open his mouth, his tongue is purple. If you know anything about CPR, when there is a purple tongue, that is a sure sign that there is no oxygen. So I'm like, oh my God, you know, I started becoming hysterical. His tongue is purple. That calm down. And I sat there for about five to seven minutes doing CPR on somebody that was completely dead. Lips, I'm hit, I'm my mouth is to his mouth, his lips are cold. Tears are streaming down my face. My daughter is screaming. And finally, at one point, they had told me, because now the sun was going down, they told me to turn on the porch light. So now they're knocking at the door. And then let's say, turn on the porch light and open the door. And they came in. And um, when they came in and they got ready to come out of the room, like in a short span of time, and I'm looking like, they're like, so... The funeral home comes. I have to watch them put him on this gurney, put this velvet covering over his body, take him out. All of these images are in my head, right? So I go from that to um, going through with planning the funeral with his family. I wasn't his wife yet. We were going to get married like that. He died on a Saturday. We were going to get married that, that Monday morning um, at the courthouse and then have an official wedding like two months out. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, five months out because it was going to be March of 2002 and he mm-hmm. died October. So I'm going through all of these changes, trying to find out this, trying to find out that. And I'm a young woman. Like, I don't, it's a lot of stuff I just don't know. Mm-hmm. And so I remember one day getting real frustrated, picking up the phone to call him because mm-hmm. that's who I would call when I get irritated with something other than my parents. And my parents are there. So the next person to call was him. So, you know, we go through the burial and all that stuff. But I'm like, not okay. You know, my family said, cause my family loved him. Um, I'm not okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wasn't okay for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm like inconsolable, right? The worst thing that you can imagine in terms of emotions, that was me. Um, I felt sorry for myself. I was angry because we had made these plans. He had recently bought a home, but the plan was once we both finished school, we were going to move to the North Carolina Triangle Park area. He was going to school for architectural um, mm-hmm. drafting or whatever. And so um, I was going to school. My background was law. We were going to do really well in the North Carolina area. Homes were very inexpensive at that time. Mm-hmm. And um, we we're going to rent his house out here, have that rental property. Like, it's all Indeed. in the work. Yeah. Indeed. Like, we already got this. And here it is, my life. Now, when I'm looking at stuff, because this is my daughter's father, um, how am I supposed to do all of this? Like, who do I trust to be around my daughter? I got a female child. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm real fickle about that kind of stuff. So now um, I go through this whole thing with my daughter, explaining to her, you know, that we weren't married, um, that your parents had you out of wedlock. I explained to her what that meant. Mm-hmm. I explained to her um, what could probably be some of the things that she's going to encounter as a result of certain things, you know, from a spiritual standpoint, because what I'm not about, 
I'm very authentic and transparent. Mm-hmm. I'm not about like pretending. That's just like, if you want to do pretending, don't call me because I'm not your girl. But um, I remember going through um, this grieving process that just seemed like it wouldn't go away. And I mean, I would go to church, I would pray, I would cry, and people would be there for me to an extent. Friends mm-hmm. started to dwindle away because, you know, a grief, it starts to make people feel weird and awkward. Because they, they don't, don't know, know what to say to you. They don't know what to say. And, and, and one of the biggest myths that are that happens that you should grieve alone. And we want to debunk those myths. Me as a therapist and a grief coach, you as a minister and a counselor in grief. Um, they need you. You need community. And we don't really need you to say anything sometimes. We just need you to support us. And what supporting us looks like when we're going through our despair or we have our flare-ups could be a meal, could be sitting with us to watch a movie. Now we can't really, you know, get it. Go travel, be in each other's friends. But maybe getting on Zoom and having a Zoom dinner or lunch or a Mm -hmm. breakfast Mm-hmm. just to remind us and sometimes you do not have to say anything Mm-mm. i but think you, that's best mm-hmm. when you don't say anything yeah because yeah. literally i have a friend who just recently lost her mom and i literally is just sending her a text hey i'm here i see you you know i'm sending you a virtual hug and i'll send it I just want you to know I'm here. You don't you don't release them of the responsibility of having to call you back. That well, right. I kept calling you, but you weren't responding. I am grieving. I'm all over the place. Yes, yeah, I'm, I'm up and yeah. I'm down. And so I am training my grief crusaders community, those who really want to understand how do you support someone. Sometimes it's just dropping the groceries at the front door, texting and saying there's groceries at your door. Those texts, like you say, right now, we can't really be around each other. But mm-hmm. like you said, the text messages, the phone calls, the Zoom, and, you know, just do the funny stuff. Now, hold on. I'm stalking you now because you ain't answering your phone. Yep. And that makes them laugh. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. you're going to make me come over there. You know we quarantining. Mm-hmm. So you're going to make me come out to quarantine to deal with you. You know, mm-hmm. so stuff like that, that's an expression of love and support mm-hmm. that goes far like you wouldn't believe. You know, just because you stepped out, because it doesn't have to be so um, prim and proper and, 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 and stuffy. They don't work anyway. They don't work. It's not just, and, you know, one of the things that I like to say is don't say you're going to do something to support somebody who's, and you don't show up. That's a, that is a dagger in a, in a person that's grieving. That's a dagger in their heart. Mm-hmm. I had this couple, and I know they didn't mean any harm. Um, I, didn't never, I never mentioned it later. But they had promised me they were going to have me come to stay with them for a few weeks. It never happened. Mm. And I needed that. You know what I'm saying? Don't say, and that's not just with grief. Mm -mm. I'm big on that with everything. If you're going to do something and the circumstances change, communicate that. Mm -hmm. But don't leave the person with an anticipation and an expectation that you're going to show up. Even if they look like they don't want to be bothered, like you said, um, I had people saying, you know, when your mom died, you know, you know, you stop, you stop dealing, you stop answering my texts. And I was like, are you serious right now? Mm-hmm. You're making it about you. It's not about you in this season. Come it's on. about healing my broken heart. It's about my, the rug of life has just been pulled from under me. 
I just lost my fiance, Faith. That's what I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. I, you just lost your fiance a couple of weeks or a couple of days or a couple of hours mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. actually saying I do. Mm-hmm. Not only have you physically lost him, the dream of being Mrs. Mm-hmm. The dreams that you had, mm-hmm. those unmet dreams, now you have to mm-hmm. grieve them. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. people don't understand that. And we need to change that in this grief mm-hmm. world of educating people. I'm really big on educating the grief crusaders. Yeah. Y'all get it together. Because yeah. this is how you support someone who's grieving. Yeah. And I like when you asked me about the heart, what's my heartbreak. It's funny that you went back to that mm-hmm. because I really did grieve the fact that it didn't happen. You heard me say, you know, that was in 2001 and it's 2020. I'm still not married. I had to come to grips with that mm-hmm. because most people would manufacture. Here's the deal. When I tried to manufacture love mm-hmm. and force fit and bring something to God and tell him to bless it, that didn't work. Mm-mm. I did it twice, y'all. Mm-hmm. So we're going to ride this one out. <laughs> <laughs> And let God do what he does mm-hmm. because what we're not, what I'm not interested in is having these situations in my life that keep reoccurring mm-hmm. because I'm trying to um, do God's work. And what I mean by that is I don't mean that God going to handpick somebody and put them in your face. And that could happen. But I'm talking about I'm going to ordain the thing and tell him to bless it. Who, what? Your life is surrendered to me and you're going to tell me how I'm going. I tell you what, let me know how that work out for you. I'm sitting out. God is like sitting off in the cut, right? Like, okay. And so after doing it two times and putting my own spin on it, because I'm very um, persistent, right? Mm-hmm. I'm going to make it happen. Mm-hmm. After that didn't happen a couple times, I sat my butt down. <laughs> and I <was> like, <laughs> so now, and this is the other thing. I celebrate couples. I have, most of my friends are married. Mm-hmm. I don't be like all in my feelings. Now, when I was younger, it was difficult because I was a lot younger and I didn't understand. Mm-hmm. But um, I've had to learn to celebrate them. I respect their homes. If I'm talking to them and we're on the phone and they're like, look, you know, they're talking. I'm like, who are you talking to? Oh, girl, that's so-and-so. That's your husband? Girl, yeah. I said, well, tell him I said hi and bye. No, Faith. I'm like, no, you ain't going to be on the phone with me that long and your husband's sitting right there. He is not, <laughs> I am not going to be the single friend that he don't like. Because <laughs> I know, because my parents were married for 47 years, Aww. so I know the conversation that men have with their wives. About, you know, and not only that, I just was brought, um, I always tell people I'm cut from a cloth that ain't made anymore. Mm-hmm. My parents raised us proper. And when mm-hmm. I say proper, I don't mean like with silver wool. We had that, but you get what I'm trying to say? Uh-huh, they I know. raised us to be Good considered. Mm-hmm. And so I'm never going to come in between my friends and their marriage. If it's something after a certain time, I don't call them because you know what I tell them? I say, because girl, when Mr. Show up. Y'all ain't gonna say I'm acting funny. It's gonna be some guidelines and some boundaries. So I'm respecting, I respect their marriage. I honor their marriage. I don't text their husbands without them knowing it. I'm, and if it's something that I'm texting their husband, it's maybe a surprise birthday something. But I keep stuff, that's what I do. People have different relationships and how they move. I don't move like that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Cause I'm friends now. If I met, if I knew the husband and we were tight, even when he gets married, the relationship changes and I got to communicate with her more because I don't want his wife to ever feel uncomfortable. So there's ways that I handle my, as a female minister in church, you know, when I first lost um, my fiance, I remember being in this church um, and I remember being assigned as deacon and his mm-hmm. wife were assigned to me. And I remember his wife just, he was like real weird. And I was like, 
she must be done told that man, if you don't stay at that single girl face who just lost her boyfriend, her husband, whatever he was. Mm-hmm. I can feel it. Like we can, I can feel mm-hmm. when when he's gotten to talk. Because the man can't even have how to talk to you. He's looking away, acting like a runaway slave and master. <laughs> I don't know. But sir, let's make this real easy for you. We don't even have to talk. No. So as a minister, I've learned how to carry myself um, and just be considerate. One thing you said I wanted to touch on, mm-hmm. when I lost my fiance, years later, let's say hindsight is 2020, mm-hmm. I was 25 years old. So, guys, just on my age, huh? So, <laughs> um, still don't look like what I've been through. So, um, we, my friends and I were young, and I will say this much, they didn't know any better. Mm. And maybe some of them had to dealt with grief, but they still didn't know any better. Mm. So, the, what I will say is, as you're grieving, you also be considerate of people that just don't know. Mm. Sometimes we assume people know more than they actually do. You could be 50 and 60 and 70 years old. And still and don't know. know. Because guess what? And they could have had significant loss, but that does not make them be understanding. Mm-hmm. I had to understand something about myself. And that was take my expectations of what faith would do off of other people. Mm. Can you say that again, sis? I had to take the expectations of what faith would do off of other people because what was happening was in all of my relationships, I was looking for people to respond and be there to the detriment that I would. I'm a rider. I'm going to be with you till the wheels fall off. That's just my makeup. And what I had to learn, that is who God made me to be. Now, when someone has not handled me properly, I misappropri- they misappropriated my generosity or my consideration. I just reevaluate them and re- sorry, reprioritize them in my life. Mm-hmm. You got to fall out with people. They might have been number two. Now they just moved down to number 10. I don't know. It just depends. Yeah, and it just depends just on, the season, on the season. On the season. I get what you're saying, Faith. And what I want to also add to that, Faith, is we also have to do in our time of grieving, know when it's time to say goodbye. Not everybody is fit to serve us in that season. And what we try to do as grievers sometimes is hold on. Come on. Because you've lost. Yes. Because you've lost. So now you're in a panic and almost a point of desperation, if you will. Mm -hmm. Um, you can't let go of anything else. And you got to be careful with that because unfortunately, people will take advantage of you when you're grieving. Mm-hmm. And then that'll be another heartache that you'll have to deal with on top of the grief. See? Mm-hmm. Because you got, and this is why I tell people, even if you're not in a position to really, really pray, pray, still cry out and talk to God and ask him to give you discernment while you're in such a vulnerable season. Because it's very important if you don't have people around you that are covering you in prayer and covering you with support and saying, well, hold on, who is that? What are they trying to do? You know, because you're kind of a little bit out of it, right? And so you need that. But if you don't have that, because many people don't, when you don't have that, I'm going to say to every listener that's grieving, be mindful of who you have in close proximity to you. Don't give people access to you just because they're showing up because not everyone that's showing up is showing up. They may have good intentions, but it may be so underlying. Maybe it's, I don't know, um, money involved. Maybe it's platform and influence involved. Maybe it's connections. It, it might just be they just want to come across like that, that they're supporting you so it can look away to other people that they're trying. I don't know. 
people, you'll be surprised what people's heads are. But yeah. what I'm concerned about is you that are grieving is that you don't become some, what's the word I want to use? I want to be careful with my verbiage. You don't become somebody that's just so broken that you just take anything that shows up. No, we're not doing that. And then when you take anything that shows up, especially looking back at your situation, the men will come too. Oh, yeah. You know, oh, yeah, that, because that, you're vulnerable. Because you're vulnerable. So we <laughs> got to protect ourselves as women. Mm-hmm. We have to protect ourselves as grievers. But I want to go back before we close faith. I want to mm-hmm. go back. So ironic, faith. And I'm going back to faith. <laughs> Someone that is hearing, like a group grief crusader who is hearing your story, like my fiance passed away. I've tried several, I tried dating afterwards. Um, what does your prayers look like to God? And this may require you to be a little vulnerable. What does it yep. look like? What, what should I be saying? How should I communicate? Um, how do I continue not to think that God has left me, but be reminded that in this time, he is still with me and he still loves me? That's good. I'm so happy you asked me that because um, I mean, I'm going to be 100% transparent on this. Yeah, I didn't know that God had a plan in terms of his ministry work. What we confuse things with is that we make everything about our marriage, our white picket fence, 2.5 kids, the Lexus and the Range Rover, mm. um, these speaking engagements on incredible platforms, waist being snatched, weaved down to your ankles. Come and on. all of that stuff, okay, like the fairy tale. And I'm not being, I'm not, I'm not making light if someone has that life. What I'm saying is, before all of that, because he has, there's a prosperous side to God. Sorry, mm-hmm. let's not get it twisted. But before all of that, Father, what do you want for my life? I knew the hand of God was on my life. Um, the enemy tried to stop my my birth from conception. Like my mother had already had two miscarriages before me and was threatened of a miscarriage. I'll tell that story. That's another grief story, like mm-hmm. at another time. But so I knew that he placed me in the earth for a time. But what I wasn't getting was I don't get it. Like, you know how, um, okay, Superman and Wonder Woman, if you've mm-hmm. ever watched those mm-hmm. movies, they don't understand who they are. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, in, the, in the last Superman movie, the kid goes, you know, the kids are picking on me and the father goes, yeah, but you can't respond to them and do to them what you know you're capable of doing because you'll kill them. Mm-hmm. Like you'll hurt them. You'll damage them, you know? And so I've had to learn, and I'm not saying that from, I don't want to come across as arrogant, but I had to learn that my parents from birth, they gave me back to the Lord. So my life was never, none of our lives is our own, but my life was not my own. And I had to come to understand and this is what I said a moment ago is that I wanted to be married, but I placed marriage at such a high priority that it had become an idol. It, that thing had sat on the seat of my heart. And God was like, until you put me back on the throne of your heart, um, what's the movie, The Color Purple? Until you do right by me, everything you think about don't fail. Ooh, you just gave me chills. Woo, Jesus. And so... People don't understand my style. And so I, God had to arrest me. Even recently, 
the way you're going about business, no, ma'am. I called you to the ministry work first. You happen to be a minister that is a counselor that really specializes in grief. You can counsel in other areas, but I called you to the to heal the brokenhearted. I called you because I allowed you to go through some pain and some difficulties and some hardships in life to be a light, not only a light, but also a, a hope for somebody to see that they can come across different things in life and still come out and not just survive because we focus a lot about surviving but we want to thrive because surviving can be you living but you limping you live and when i say limping i don't mean a physical limp like you limping in the spirit everything you do is done with a limp when mm. you talk to people um you can hear the grief in them it happened 25 years ago but when you talk to them it sound like present day like mm. what you died last week mm -hmm. that is not good so i came to break the shackles off because the enemy would desire that we come now and we'd be so oppressed with grief and we'd be so oppressed with what happened that we end up idolizing that person. And if we're not careful, we move over to necromancy, right? In terms of worshiping the dead. And that's not what God wants. Oh, let's spend some time. Let's spend some time before we end this. Let's spend some time in that faith because not enough people talk about that. And as a matter of fact, I think you're the very first I heard as a minister talking about that. And I've been going to church since I was a little girl, you know, and I would say this, one of my favorite scriptures that I realized what I was doing all my life in attending funerals and thinking that I was going to be a funeral director is, is wow. that it is better to go to a house of mourning than it is to go to a house of feasting because death is the destiny of everyone and the living shall take it to heart. What I got from God was telling me, y'all, it's better to go learn from a lesson at a funeral about life because then it is to go to a house party. Mm -hmm. Now I love to dance. Mm -hmm. I love mm -hmm. to party. I love to have a good old time. But when I go to a funeral, trust and believe I'm paying attention. I'm getting a lesson out of that person's life. Yes, Their home going service yes, sir. is God. We're gathering to learn yes. a lesson. We're gathering to yes. learn a man should never put his hands on me because I, I've been yes. to a funeral when a lady was in the casket. And uh, she died because she was murdered by the mm -hmm. man who said he loved. So a man mm -hmm. would never put his hands on me, mm -hmm. right? I've been to a funeral of a drunk driver, you know, so I know that drinking and driving can cause death. I'm mm -hmm. not going to do it. I don't mm -hmm. even like alcohol, to tell you the truth. Mm -hmm. The most I can have is a pina colada, and that's when I'm at a resort. Or just, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. but that is, you know, I've learned lessons just watching the news mm -hmm. that guns mm -hmm. kill. Mm -hmm. So if mm -hmm. I own a gun, I have to be responsible with that gun. Right. And so right. just talk about that for a moment for me. I'm glad you said that because one day um, I would always say, you know, my mama is and my daddy that and my mama is and my daddy that. And somebody stopped me one day and they say, Faith, I'm, I'm not trying to be disrespectful, but you like worshiping your parents in death. And I was like, like, I got the side eye. I was like, hold up. Who you talking? But when I thought about what they were saying, mm -hmm. my mother and daddy had lived, and they had a great impression upon us. You heard me say I was single. Mm -hmm. I'm old school. Like, my parents raised us old school. So my daddy was my covering, mm -hmm. okay, because I ain't have a husband. Mm -hmm. And I'm not talking about paying my bills. I'm talking about I could feel his covering from since I was a child. He banned our home. Mm -hmm. They might have had whatever going on, but my daddy was a protector and a provider to his core. So I know that about a man. So when my father and my mother died, 
I felt like an adult orphan. All right? Here I'm a grown woman. I felt my experience, I felt uncovered. I knew God, but I learned God in another way. To go back to what you were saying, I'm glad you mentioned all those different examples of what you learned about a person's life. Well, what I learned about my parents' life at their funeral was, although my heart was broken, there was a glory on their funeral services. So when a person goes home to be with the Lord and they live the life, I found out you want to live for God because you want to be impactful in that way. Just like you found out all those different things. And I'm sure there were some other funerals you went to. You didn't go down your funeral resume. I know, I know. Like it's a list, it's a list yeah, long, right. miles and miles. But you were bringing in as good that you brought those points out. Because when I went to my parents' funeral, well, as a matter of fact, I'll go even further. The day my mother died, when my mom died, um, she died at home. And there was a nurse at the house. And my brother had moved into my mom's home. And we were all in my mom's home. He stepped away to make a phone call because they were going to say her respiration was getting low. I didn't even understand. I, I guess I said respiration. Okay, they got to do with breathing, respiration, mm -hmm. whatever, mm -hmm. right? So I remember the nurse turning her back, and I remember my, my, my mama gasping, taking a deep breath, and that was it. When my mother passed away, my hand to God, right now I have this whatever light on me. It was like somebody put a light underneath her bed. Her whole face lit up and it was not something that it was like you had to be there for it mm -hmm. and we all said like do you see that like what the heck it was a piece on her and so if you're gonna leave my thing now i <laughs> i fight so hard now and this is why i had to go back to deal with that heart stuff that you were talking about mm -hmm. my biggest thing was wanting to be married i had to kill that because I didn't want that thing to just not only disrupt, but destroy the Become purpose a of the plan. Mm -hmm. Yes. And if you could just get in my presence. Oh, okay. I'm, let me calm down. Calm no, down. don't come. Give it to <laughs> us. Give it to us. There's so much more that I've placed on your life other than who you marry and what your last name becomes and the circles that you're involved in and being great and wonderful. Did you know I call you to the brokenhearted? What about that person who's smiling and they have it all together? They have the everything that you thought you wanted, but there's some pain that they don't become that they're not honest with and you're able to walk up on them. What could be at a social event? And all you, you ain't got to be loud. It ain't got to be demonstrative. Walk up and whisper a word that God gave you for them. Now, we may have to go to the bathroom, depending upon how the detriment of it. You understand what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. You could be like a sniper in the spirit. And I'm talking about using your ministry in different settings, because not every setting is going to be conducive for the laying on the hands and mm -hmm. getting all loud and all this stuff that we do in the sanctified church. What I'm talking about is walking up on people, speaking life to them. When I'm talking to my clients and, and I'm speaking what God says, sometimes I don't even know. I'm sitting there going, as they're talking, I'm saying, Father, give me. This is a deep one. I don't even know mm -hmm. how to. Mm -hmm. He has to guide me through that. I can't give them what Sigmund Freud, what Sig I ain't trying to be funny, but I what know. Sigmund Freud had to say ain't helping them right now. Uh -huh. That's the situation. So when I speak, it has to be a piercing in my voice that do some type of healing to this person's heart. That is what's going to separate me from everybody else, that the anointing of God is on me as I sit and I'm talking very quiet and calm and I'm going back and forth. First of all, the compassion is there because he allowed me to go through some things. It's hard to empathize with people from something that you're only talking about. That was my issue with male uh, OBGYN. You ain't never had no baby, man. <laughs> <laughs> 
You ain't never had no baby telling me what I should be feeling and calm. You calm down. <laughs> this hurt. <laughs> I had one child. I had back labels. Shoot. So the pain. I've had three children, and because I'm afraid of needles, I've had them all natural birth. So oh I God. know what you're talking about. Pain. There's nothing to be played up with. So when uh. I talk about that type of pain, I remember years ago, I was assigned on the ministry that I was at, I was assigned to work with this woman of God. And I dropping her, I was dropping her off to the hotel and she began to minister to me about the call of my life for holistic. And she began to say, you know, the ministry and the different aspects of ministry call that was on my life. But I was called to heal mind, body, and soul. And I'm just like, oh, bless her heart. I think she's off. She doesn't really understand. But now that was 2016. I had it was real fuzzy. You see what I'm saying? And so it took it's taking some time forgot to really make it clear and so yes i have my hand on your life and i'm gonna prosper you faith i'm gonna do all of the things that you aspire to do i'm gonna you know i've always i never was like an overachiever but i always competed with myself in terms of uh, accomplishing my goals and so there were some places that god just stopped me in my tracks and i had to realize i am not on the course with everybody else when it came to this counseling thing, I was very deliberate about separating the ministry aspect of me from the business aspect. You know, every now and then I might mention the scripture. He was like, stop it. That is not you. You are not going to go that way. You're gonna, and, I'm, and I was in my prayer time, just boohoo crying. I had to let it go. And so people are like, oh, is she a preacher? What is she? Listen, I'm figuring it out. <laughs> you know what? I can relate to this. And I think... <laughs> I can relate. I know I can relate to this because of the fact when I was working with my coach Patrice Washington and I did a, I did a retreat. We went to a retreat. I did their grief session for them. Not a dry eye in the room. Mm. I'm talking about lives being changed. And she said, I know, I know you want to go forth as the wife mentor. I know you have the wife of this brand, but let that grief that's you breaking shackles with that grief. I was like, but that's not sexy. I never seen anybody do grief and make it sexy. So I, why would God give me that assignment? Why would God give me that purpose? And then it took me months to embrace. Like I had to cry. Well, what about all the time and wife it What about all the attorneys I've hired in the trademarks, in the building, the, the wife mentor Jesus. Instagram and just speaking to him about Jesus. my heartache. Jesus. And he said, I said, nobody's making grief sexy. Everybody that's My talking God. about grief before I met you, Faith, they making it look boring. Yeah. I'm not a boring person. Yeah. I'm the life of the party. <laughs> you understand? And then he said, you make, you make grief sexy. And when he said that to me, I said, all right. That means I'm bringing my personality. I'm bringing my spunk. I'm bringing whatever I need to do to bring, create that safe place where a griever could be seen, heard, and validated. And the moment I said yes, the downloads came. Trademark making grief sexy. Shirts coming out soon. Grief to purpose. Grief to purpose coaching program. You, do you want the floodgates? Like I haven't even been able to pitch media. Media is pitching me. Why? Because I allow my heart to break. I allowed, I talked to God and I was like, come on, dad. And, and then I said, I surrender. 
Come on. Listen. And when I said mm. I surrender, the doors open. And that's how I met you on Instagram. Oh, who this Let cute lady? You, you almost got me over here getting all out of, out of <laughs> listen. <laughs> it's funny. Okay. Um, you heard me say I was in prayer because I was really just trying to not do that. Like, I didn't want to be that. No. Mm-hmm. And God is like, no, you're going to marry the two. The whole thing with counseling, the calls to prayer. I'm the prayer director at my church. Mm-hmm. All right. And I'm just like, how does that look? You know, hey, you got me laying here looking crazy. You always mm-hmm. making me look crazy. Yeah, mm-hmm. And it's funny that you would say that because just last night, I literally got a word from somebody. Mm-hmm. And they said to me, Faith, God is connecting you to a whole new, it's like some collegiate people. And there are some new opportunities coming. And I know, and they begin to go into some specific details of things that have happened in the past. And so when I thought about this today, believe it or not, the Lord said, go out to the store and buy a new blouse. And I was like, but she seemed like she real, buy a new blouse because I'm setting a precedence for what I want to do. Mm-hmm. So when you said, I almost said it when you said, oh, you look nice. I almost said something, but I was like, no, 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 no. And I, I and it's good I didn't because it needed to come out now. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, literally before we, before we did all of this, I went to the store. Really? <laughs> I don't do stuff like that because I'm like, you know, we, right now we, everybody's watching their finances and we're using wisdom, right? We've mm-hmm. learned yes. a lot about wisdom. That's my favorite word, wisdom. Mm-hmm. But when the father speaks and tells you to do something, since we were talking, somebody just cashed at me for my birthday. So that just took care of what I just spent. And so I'm saying it like this, when we follow God, follow God's plan, we can't be afraid. This is why we got to be healed. You know, I talk, also talk a lot about healing because now people can come together. You have your lane in the grief space. I'm in my lane in the grief space, but we come together. We have two different personalities. We're both funny. I used to do Christian comedy. Mm-hmm. All right. My mom was a preacher, but she was a funny preacher. Her daddy was a comedian, she said. And so that the gift of gab and, and, and making people laugh, but I'm also have a very serious side because when it comes to the things of God, I'm very serious. So mm-hmm. if you don't know me, you'll think I'm probably bipolar. No, mm-hmm. no, 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 no. When I tell you, and so I've had to learn all of this and we want to fit mold. You wanted to be doing the wife thing. I have, it's so funny. I have a friend that is trying to switch over and merge into something. And she was a wife whisperer, right? Mm-hmm. In Orlando. And she started feeling like God was, we got to go the way God is. Oh. Yeah. And you know what I learned? And it's in when I launched and it's in when I accepted and it's in when I surrendered. This is what happened, Faith. I got the final approval from him to say, now you can merge the two. Yep. He goes, now you can do the retreats for wives who are grieving to get them to wife it in. And we and we know that grief is not just a husband passing come away. On, come this on. is be some foolishness. You, your husband, I'm not trying to be funny, but you're uh, dealing with women who husband went out on them, had a baby. Yep. You're yep. in that situation. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So you got all kinds of stuff. And it's like, as I begin to look at it, at first, because I'm like you, I came from, you know, a church where you know you minister, you prophesy, you give a word of the Lord. Mm-hmm. And what God had called me to do with my flow isn't like that. But in a counseling setting. Right in a prayer setting. And so I was just like, well, I don't flow like them. It don't come to me like that. Uh-huh. And they're like, you're called to this, you're called to that. But and I was trying to <laughs> kick against the prick. Mm. 
It's hard to kick against the brick. It's hard. My mama used to say, your arms are too short to box with God. So when we understand that we belong to him, we got to do things his way, y'all. He gave us a brain. There's some, like you said, the downloads happen as soon as you surrender. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I've had my moments because this has truly been a season. If I'm 100, 100, 1,000% transparent of God doing a restructuring. Um, last year in March, I took a trip, a missions trip to Nigeria. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it was from using my phone or what, but when I got back, somebody hacked my Facebook account and my LinkedIn account. And I don't know, they was asking for money, talk about grant. I don't know what happened. I sent my license to Facebook, did all of this stuff, could not get a Facebook page. I just got a Facebook page in March of this year. Mm-hmm. So I was like, what was that? I was building my business. Because you, you know, when you're doing social media, it's a lot. Getting your name out there, getting mm-hmm. people get, become um, um, used to your brand and take a liking to you. And God was like, but I'm doing this. He said, you be consistent, I'll do the marketing. Mm-hmm. And that's how I found you. I promise you, I've been minding my own business. I'm some, I'm, oh my God, I'm an introvert, right? Mm-hmm. I believe you. I love being about people, but I love my own space. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I love like being at home and my, you know, my circle of people. But um, in this time, I'm just watching God do so much in terms of reestablishing me um, from what he wants from me, not what they tried. And so, a couple of months ago, I was whining, and I remember when I did this, and I remember, and he said that was the problem. That's when you did it. Now I'm doing it. Mm. I was like, who are you talking to, Willis? And it's so true. So faith, we've gone from grief, look what it looks like, the dream of not walking down the aisle, mm-hmm. those unmet dreams, to wrestling with God for many written years. That's why I say stop policing people's grief. Yeah. Um, we've gone from the loss of your parents and idolizing them and making that look different. And we've gone now you're at a point where you're grieving your career mm-hmm. and what that switch looks like. But what I can tell you, sis, learn from me so you can seek the wisdom and get to where God wants you to get. Just be obedient because I've wasted too much time crying and whining, going back and forth forth with Mm -hmm. him. But it needed to happen. Mm -hmm. It needed to happen for me. Mm -hmm. And so for those grief crusaders who are listening, we honor faith heart right now. We honor her heart and being vulnerable enough to share her journey, her experience, as she still is becoming, Mm -hmm. as she's still getting to that place of a restoration. It does not happen overnight. It's really Mm -hmm. a lifetime process. Mm -hmm. And before I let you go, I I ask these three questions that's going to help you out. What, after hearing about your truth, about grief and walking through that. What have you learned about yourself? One, I've learned that I am a very resilient woman. Uh, hmm. I've learned that resilience, because if you can come back from when it looks like the, the dirt has been thrown over you mm-hmm. and on a situation and they've said ashes to ashes and dust to dust and you can still have a zest for life you can still have a desire that's why um, earlier 
um, I was in some time with the Lord and mm-hmm. I was just like, Lord, I'm a weepy mess. How am I going to do a podcast now? Mm-hmm. But just coming to a place of being resilient and finding out that in my resilience, because of him, I'm able to not just come back, but really be more effective in the resilience, right? And so when people look at me, they know some of the things I went through. Sometimes people just, I've had people literally walk up to me and say, I don't know how you did it. And you know what I'm able to say? Through him. Not that I'm like over-spiritualizing, because a lot of times, sometimes people think when they meet people, those of us that are clergy, mm-hmm. that, you know, it's just too much. I'm not trying to do all of that. Mm-hmm. Well, all I have for you is Jesus. Mm-hmm. I can't tell you, I read a, a book, I read some books, I did some steps. But at the brunt of all of that, he was the foundation of it all. Mm-hmm. And you and need so, a foundation to build the home. You do, you need it. And so in my resilience um, and looking at what my life could have looked like, I'll give you a perfect example. Um, just this past week, um, the second very detrimental heartbreak I had right after my fiance passed away, when I tried to date again, um, that gentleman that I was dating, we were going to get married too. That's another one. That was one of the number the two that I've tried to rush. Mm-hmm. Um, he reached out to me via his mom's Facebook. And the reason why I say via his mom's Facebook is because his mom is very antiquated and she ain't getting on the computer. So I was just like, for real, sent me a friend request. And so I went ahead and I blocked it. Not out of malice, not out of, um, you know, oh, I don't want nothing to do with you. It was out of, first of all, he's a married man now mm-hmm. and I don't have time. So what I found out, I was like, what's up? So I'm like, I'm on to something. When old stuff start kicking up at you, come on now. I said, oh, this is just last Saturday. I said, oh, I'm on it. I'm like, okay, father, this is it. I have hit a pocket. I am progressing. Something's about, I'm about to turn a corner because this man got a whole wife. They live in a whole nother state. I blocked him, his mama, and his wife. All right. Not again, not a word of malice. It was no bitterness in my heart out of I've made a decision to leave it where it's at. I don't have time for no foolishness. I have um, had to go through many seasons. I've been through a lot. I'm tired now, boss. <laughs> if you will. But you right? know what? You know what? Because, you know, this about we can this, this we way over time. But let me just tell you this. This one too grief. <laughs> when grief, when God calls grief over our life and we get together, this is what happens. But you know what happens? I realize that grief can become a distraction to purposeful living. Yes, it can. And so as you're turning the corner, what begins to pop up? It happened to me. Mm-hmm. Old mm-hmm. things from the past started. Like, what? And so I said, oh, I know what this is. This is a distraction. And you did too. When you clean up the emotional mess, mm-hmm. you get the clarity in the ego eyes to mm-hmm. recognize foolishness and keep moving. Keep moving. I love and, and And it's funny because... Um, I had run into him a few years ago. I think it was like 2017. God had sent me to this conference in the state that he lives in. And I was always like, oh, God, I don't want to go. Because I wasn't over it. Mm-hmm. And God made me run head in into him. So now it's just like, child, anybody got to, It's almost yeah. like if a little puppy come up to you, Mm-mm. right? It, it, the puppy used to look like a lion. Now you look at it and you're like, that's a puppy. And I'm not minimizing this man. God, He has his own plan with God, whatever. I'm just saying how... God, the enemy will use people to try to stump, stumble you up. And if you ain't careful, you entertain the foolish. Because I'm like, 
She don't even be on. She can. She can't even send a. Let's just go here. His mama can't even send a text message in 2020. She really sent me a friend request and like pictures on Facebook. Boy, stop playing. So what I did was, I, you know, at first, because I'm very analytical, mm-hmm. I was just, hold on, this is a distraction. Mm-hmm. What the heck? Mm-hmm. So I shut it down. I closed the door. I see, I closed the door, um, locked it, sealed it, and then I went ahead and I struck a match and threw it back and walked off. That's what you got to do sometime. I'm learning. The Mm-mm. second question is, Faith, if you were <laughs> to have five words left, what would they be? Five words left. Or less. What would you tell? If this was your five last words on this earth, what would they be? Pray, love, forgive, release, live. Pray, love, forgive, release, live. Good, good. And then the third and final question is, I love to sing. What song has gotten you through your dark days? It's funny because um, it was a song by William Murphy. I can't even think of the song now. And I'm glad I can't think of it. Let me tell you why. Mm -hmm. Because that's where I was then. Mm. And so, um, oh my God, that's crazy. It's by William Murphy, but I used to play it all the time. I was in a real broken place. That's crazy. I can't even remember the song. But that song helped me at that time. Now that song, for me, I don't really like it anymore because mm-hmm. it's a reminder of where I was. Mm-hmm. Now, it doesn't mean the song is bad. It's just the memory that it holds for me and what it got me through. So mm-hmm. it served its purpose, if you will. So it ministered to me, praise God, for William Murphy, right? Mm-hmm. It, it ministered to me during that season. But um, maybe later I can send it to you if I, if I can look it up. But um now it's just, um, and it's not like I've arrived and I've gotten there, but my perspective has changed and I don't put so much emphasis on the pain. Like I said, when the young lady brought it to my attention about me talking about my parents so much, that was their life. They planted their seed. They did what they needed to do in the earth in terms of raising us to, to be adults that feared God and walked after our call. And there was a lot of prayer that went into that in terms of how my parents wanted us to turn out. And so now here it is a result. They didn't get to see it while they were in the physical earth, but they're in the great cloud of witnesses and they're seeing now the hand of God on our lives as we move and progress and do what he's called us to do. And so, um, yeah, the song probably now is a little like a memorial that I can't, I honestly, like I wish I could remember. Um, I honestly can't, but it was a song by William Murphy. I used to play it over and over again. And you know, I would cry and listen to it sometimes. I didn't cry. Most of the time I did cry. Um, and that's another thing is that I cried a lot. And so the other day I was just like, no, I don't cry no more. And it's not that I don't cry no more, but now my crying now is when my heart is broken in worship. And when mm-hmm. I'm thinking about the goodness of God and how he kept me and how I have a head full of hair. Y'all can't see me because you're listening. Mm-hmm. But I got like all this hair on my head. After everything I've been through, I should have patches, right? Like I should mm-hmm. have a shag. Mm-hmm. No you're looking good too, y'all. Wow. Wow. Faith, (laughs) I honor you in your time. I honor you you in your presence and I honor you in your truth. Thank you. Sis, thanks for never giving up. Wow. Thanks for never fighting with God. Mm. Thanks for asking God the questions and thanks for touching the hem of his garments because sitting in your truth, I can see the glow. Amen. Amen. I appreciate you having me on. 
I am so grateful for this opportunity to share. Um, I never thought that in those times when I was just having those moments that I just cried, 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 and, you know, people not understanding and shying away from you that one day that God will use it um, to be able to help others. And so I'm just grateful that in that experience that he's now turning it around, mm-hmm. not just for my good, but for the good of others, mm-hmm. right? Because if you're just doing stuff for yourself, you already need some other help that's beyond grief. So we're mm-hmm. not get into that. <laughs> You want to be following Faith on social media. I'm going to put all of that. I got to probably put it in our show notes or I'll tag you when you can see how to follow her. Um, But she's good. And I know God, when he's leading me and making the divine connections, I know what he's doing. Amen. And so I honor the time that we get to spend in this season. Yeah. 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 Thanks for we're sure. going to connect. We're going to connect okay. again because I have some stuff that I'm working on as well. Yeah. Um. So definitely this will not be the last of us mm-hmm. in a space like this. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. <laughs> so I honor you. Thank you so much. No problem. Wow. Didn't I tell you? Didn't I tell you Faith was going to bring it? I knew it from her Instagram lives. If you're not following her, you need to go follow her now. Like, Her and I didn't just the way God put us together and just the way she was able because I was not heading in that direction for this interview. But what I can tell you is God has a way of bringing us together, but you got to be able to do a U-turn. You got to be able to switch and and move and do what he said to do, because I did not plan this episode to be like this. But let me tell you, he did his thing. And someone is in a dark place right now because they're not missing someone. Someone is in a dark place right now because their parents have just passed away. That hope is gone. That faith is gone. You're struggling in in that trust department. But let me tell you something, baby. Her light is bright. I said it at the end. Her light is bright. And I honor you. Thank you for being a guest on the Redefining Grief podcast. You have been inducted as a, do you hear me? As a grief crusader for life. I thank you so much. I thank you, Faith. Thank you. Now, don't forget, please join the Grief Crusaders community on Facebook. I can't wait to read your reviews on iTunes, on Spotify, on Podbeam, wherever you listen to podcasts. I cannot wait to listen to your reviews. With that being said, this life is imperfect, but the requirement of living it is. It's your girl, the Chief Grief Crusader, Herdeen Mercier. Blessings of overflow to you.